Uh, good morning again, and glad to see all of you, and hope you're having a wonderful weekend and rejoicing on this beautiful Palm Sunday. Now, let me start this morning with a question. It's kind of church confessional time, okay? By show of hands, we're going to be honest here, no cheating, by show of hands, how many of you have ever made a promise or a commitment which you knew when you made it, you probably couldn't live up to it? All right, most of you did it. For the rest of you, you forgot that last week I preached about being hypocrites and you didn't listen because we've all done it, okay? Let's just get over that fact because I'm number one. Plenty of times I said, oh, yes, I promise to do so-and-so. Go on, I probably will never do so-and-so. Now, if you think, oh, that's never me. I never do that. If I make a commitment to someone else, I always live up to it. Well, let me help you out because I can about promise you that all of us do this, and we probably should do it more than we realize, because in truth, we do it to ourselves. I mean, think about that. How often do you make a promise or commitment to yourself that you know in your heart you're probably not going to live up to? I mean, how many of you have had that day where you woke up in the morning and you said, today's the day, I'm going to get in shape, I'm going to go to the gym. Oh, wait, i got to join the gym first. I'm going I'm to eat good. I'm going to do all these you know, right things, and then, right? We've been there, and we get out, and then on the way to the gym, we pass the donut shop. Why do they always put a donut shop right by the gym? I don't know. It's a conspiracy, but that happens. And we go, that our will is tested. We get up, we want to do those things. Usually that, that diet commitment promise is after we've just eaten a whole pizza the night before or something. I'm going to be so healthy. And we know that we probably won't live up to that. Maybe sometimes we do, but it's hard to do that. You may sometimes wake up and say, well, today I'm going to have... A better attitude. I'm gonna have, I don't care that those people that i got to work with today that I know they're going to try to get me down. I'm going to have just the best attitude ever. And you get to work and guess what happens, right? I mean, we get tested. How many things have happened in your life? You said, today I'm going to do this. And you know that you may not. You kind of know inwardly, like, I'm saying it, but I don't really mean it. Or maybe you, you, know, maybe you do okay. Maybe you do okay for a day or two. Maybe that first day you get up, I'm getting in shape, and I'm off for the gym, and I work out hard, and I wake up the next day, my muscles are so sore. Oh, that was a good day yesterday. I could take a break today. You know what? We do this, right? We break the promises and commitments we make to ourselves all the time. I mean, if you're anything like me, I know you do. It's so easy to, to make a promise to ourselves. Today, I'm going to do this. And it's really easy to break that promise. Now, I'll tell you, there's another way we do it. Sometimes we may break promises, commitments we make to others. We a lot of times break the promises, commitments that we, uh, that we make to ourselves. But if we're honest, don't we do the same thing to God? How many times have you been in a church service, a youth camp, a retreat, uh, any kind of situation where you're hearing the Word of God, and in that time you really feel God is speaking to you about something that needs to change in your life. Something that, you know, that's not right, some sinful action, or maybe something you need to start doing that you haven't been doing, like just being in the Word on a regular basis. And, and you come under the conviction of God, and you come forward and, and you just pray to God, God, I promise... I promise that not a day will go by without me reading my Bible. 
They, God, I promise that every day, morning, afternoon, and evening, I will pray to you. God, I promise I'll start doing this. I'll start doing that. God, I promise I'll give that tithe check. I promise I'll start telling others to come to church with me. I promise, God. Now, I'm not going to ask show of hands other than for myself, but think, how many of you have broken those kind of promises made to God? I'm right here. Because I've, I've done that. I've done, God, I promise, I commit, I'm going to do this. And how easy it is to break that. How easy it is to fall short in following through with the commitments we've made unto God and to ourselves and to others. Now, why am I talking about this today? Today is Palm Sunday. Today is a day, aren't, aren't we supposed to be talking about you know, Hosanna and blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and the palm branches and all that. I mean, it's a day where you talk about the celebration of how Christ came and he's coming again. I mean, that's all wonderful things. But I've said this previously, I think every year that I get to a Palm Sunday, there's a day where we remember that specific moment in the life of Christ. I always maybe have a slightly different view than most when it comes to what this day means. Because I believe Jesus kind of had a different view, a different attitude, a different demeanor to himself that day than a lot of the people did. And as I think we're going to see in Scripture this morning, as we look at a couple passages, I think we're going to be looking at how what, God, what Jesus was really trying to get across to the disciples, to the people who were there that day, and even to us, is that our promises matter. The promises and the commitments we make matter a big, great deal. But what he does not want to see from us is promises without performance. In fact, that's our message for this morning, the title of the sermon today is Promises Without Performance. We're going to look this morning, I want you to see two scriptures this morning. I promise I don't normally look at two different scriptures and we're taking a quick break from... Can we put our, our title screen up so we have our scriptures? Thank you. So we're going to be looking at two quick scriptures, not those whole chapters, but just a piece of them. I want you to see two things. They're going to seem unrelated to one another. But I think what we're going to see today is this from what Christ was doing and what He is telling us that we have to watch out for this attitude of promise without performance, meaning... I promise God I will do this, but not being willing to follow through. Not only do we see what that means, but we're going to see how do we respond when we inevitably fall short. So we're going to look in our scripture this morning. The first passage we're going to look at is in Luke chapter 19. It is one of the passages that describe that Palm Sunday. And I want you to see this particular one. We're going to look at just a few short verses and then scoop over to another passage. Look at this. It says, This in Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 37. When he, that's Jesus, came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began to joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, 
if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Now look at these next couple of verses. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. So that's the quick reading of what happened on that Palm Sunday. Now, quickly, we're going to scoot over to Mark. Again, we're going to see one other passage. Again, it doesn't seem to relate, but I promise you it does. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11, this is the day after what we just read. Palm Sunday, this is the Monday. It tells us this, starting in verse 12. The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. Now down in verse 20, it concludes this part of the story. It says this, in the morning as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Now, probably most of you can understand this morning uh, why we're talking about the passage of Palm Sunday. I mean, we, we see that reading of what Jesus did on that day. That, day. that passage makes sense for us today. But why about the fig tree? So let's have a little bit of explanation. Now, I want you to keep in mind this morning the title. In fact, can we just put that screen up back up for us? Just the title of the sermon, Promise Without Performance. Just keep that right in your head this morning for a moment. Because I want you to see what's going on. Now, first, let me give a, just, I'm going to be brief this morning because I want us to focus on our time at the table. But I want you to understand what was happening on day, that day and what it means to you and me. Now, there was joy on that day. There was obviously joy for the people. That day was the beginning of Passover week. It's a, it's a wonderful time. They were celebrating. They were all happy because it was just a wonderful moment in the nation. Now, I think there was even some joy in Jesus because he was doing the Father's will. I mean, he, he tells us that he was fulfilling Scripture. And he says, you know, if my disciples don't cry out, the stones will have to cry out. Why? Because he's doing what he's supposed to do. There's got to be joy in that. But we also see that while everybody else is very happy and, and outwardly expressive, what does Jesus do? It says Jesus gets to a certain place. I mean, I know the place where he comes over the Mount of Olives and there... Jerusalem is just laid out before him. He can see this, the whole city. And what does he do? It says he begins to weep. The word there is not just a you know, tear down the cheek. I mean, it is sobbing. I mean, the kind of crying you can't get words out almost, right? It, just, it is this weeping moment. It just, it's an extremely emotional moment for Jesus before he kind of stops and gives this pronouncement. says, Jerusalem, if you'd only known who was coming to you this day. If you'd only understood what this day was really about. 
See, the attitude of Jesus, the, this demeanor he's in, this, this weeping tells us something. That again, that he saw that moment, that day, differently than everybody else did. The crowd saw it as a moment to kind of party and rejoice and say, well, the popular thing, it was the crowd saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he. But what did Jesus see? Jesus saw promise without performance. What do I mean? He saw the people saying, yes, come, you are Messiah, we love you. And I mean, they're rejoicing in him and they're proclaiming his name and making the promise that they believe in him. But what does Jesus know? Jesus knows that in just a few short days, many of those people who joined in the crowd and waved the palm branches and made a big fuss and did what everybody else was doing by saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, they had changed their words to say, crucify him, crucify him, send him to the cross. Jesus saw promise. They made a, they're, they're, that vocal, I'm making a promise of, I believe in you, I'll follow you. But he knew there was no performance behind it. He understood the words had been spoken by the people. But there was no heart commitment behind it. They had made a promise, but Jesus knew they wouldn't perform on it. That's how Jesus saw that day. Now we go to the next story. That little passage tells about the fig tree. Now first of all, I'm going to tell you, I could have literally picked a a half dozen at least of other places of Scripture that get across the same point. Because you'll notice, if you were to go home and read of the, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John of all the things that happened between when Jesus entered this city on, on Sunday to the day He went to the cross, you're going to see a very similar theme. This idea of promise without performance keeps coming up again and again. And one of the best illustrations in this fig tree that may seem like an odd story, but it's really a powerful lesson. It's, a, it's an object lesson that Jesus gives to his disciples. It tells us the next day they were traveling from Bethany to Jerusalem. It's not a long walk, but it's a tough walk. And he's hungry, understandably, so he's hungry. And there's the tree, and he sees the tree that's in leaf. And they go to check out if it's got the fruit on it. It has no fruit, and he curses the tree, and it withers and dies. And those, most people would say, well, Jesus just woke up on the wrong side of the bed that morning. He's just in a bad mood. Curse the tree. That's not what Jesus was doing. Now, hang on with me for just a second. You've got to understand what Jesus was seeing. The tree in that day, it says it was in leaf. It was meaning, and, and that time it was showing the sign of that it was bearing fruit, which would be an awesome thing because if you live over in that land, they would tell you that's not the time of the year a fig tree will be in leaf or produce fruit. In fact, in that time of the year of the Passover, it was barren, just barely beginning to get the first signs of the leaf that would come out. But it was nowhere near ready to bear fruit. So if you're uh, living in the land of Israel at that time, at this time of year, and you see in the distance a fig tree with the leaves all over it, looking like it has fruit, you're going to be pretty amazed. And the disciples had to be thinking, wow, what a blessing. We're hungry, and there's a fig tree, which is one of the most wonderful things they had to, to enjoy. The fig tree that's already got fruit on it. Let's go to it. See, Jesus had this, this is actually a miraculous thing that Jesus was doing. He had it all planned out. He knew what was going on. They go to the fig tree. It's got leaves, 
but no fruit. You see what's going on? It had the leaves. It had promise. It was saying from a distance, look at me. I'm being fruitful. I'm a good tree. I, I am blessed because I'm producing right now. It looked good, but when Jesus got up close, it had no fruit. It was promise without performance. And Jesus said to that tree, you may you never bear fruit again. And it withered and died at the command of his voice because he was trying to get across to the disciples the danger of living by promise without performance. By living in such a way that you say, I say the right things and I'll make the right commitments and I'll get up and say, God, I promise to do this and I promise to do that. I'll stand with the church and I'll say, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But when I walk away, when I really face the tough things of life, when I'm tempted, I'm given right back in. And that commitment that I made and that promise I made means nothing. He's saying, watch out for a life that is promise without performance. And Jesus, he touched on this. Again, you could go see it in Scripture. He touched on it again and again and again. In fact, another passage, just to tell you, one of the things that happens in this time of Jesus' life is he goes and speaks against those Pharisees, those religious hypocrites of the day. He gives what's called the seven woes, meaning all the bad things they're doing. And one of the things he says to them, it's one of the most scathing things Jesus ever says, he calls these men to their face. He says, you are like whitewashed tombs. Not a compliment, by the way. You are like whitewashed tombs, meaning you're, you look like you're taken care of on the outside. The pretty, you know, it's been done, it's been taken care of, it's been washed and cleaned. But on the inside, you're death. He was telling them, what you're doing, all the promise you're making is just for show there's no performance. See, really in those last days before Jesus went to the cross, it was this theme Time and time again. In the last days before he does his sacrifice for you and for me, he's trying to tell his disciples, he's trying to tell the crowds, he's trying to tell all of us even to today, watch out for a life lived with promise without performance. Well, you easily make the commitment and the promise unto God, but you know in your heart there's no desire to really live it out. Now do you see what Jesus was dealing with as he came into that city on that Palm Sunday, before it was ever called Palm Sunday. When Jesus came in fulfilling Scripture and the will of his Father, do you understand why he was weeping? Because the people spoke wonderful words with their mouths, but there was nothing going on in here. And soon as the crowd flipped to say, crucify him, they say, let's go, I'll say the same thing. Promise without performance. Now, some of you this morning may be not feeling so good about yourselves right about now. It's not my intent to come in here and beat down on you if you say, look at my life. I've been a lot of that promise without performance. I've made the commitments to others, to myself, to God. I know stuff, and I failed. Join the club if that's you this morning, because I'm right here. 
I'm not here to say, boy, you should feel bad because you're doing exactly the, the things that Jesus says, don't do this. Don't live with promise of that performance. But maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you're here this morning on this Palm Sunday and you came not out of a joy to, to come and encounter the Lord, but you came because you're supposed to come. Because your friends are here. Or some other reason. That when we sang, you sang because you didn't want to look bad in front of others, but there was nothing happening in the heart. That there's all this promise, all the outward appearance of I'm, I'm living for God and I'm trying my best, but inwardly there's, I've been failing. There's been no performance. Now, if that's you this morning, in fact, really I'm talking to all of us because we all know times when we have made the promise, when we've made the commitment, when we said, I will, and we don't follow through with the performance. If that's, that's all of us this morning, what do you do? Really this morning, you've got a few choices. Choice number one. Choice number one is this. Stop making promises. Say, I am what I am. You know, too late to change. I know I probably should change this. I should do more of this. I should seek God better. I should be a better Christian. But you know what? I've just failed too many times. I'm done making promises. Now, I've never met a person who's actually said those words, but I've met a lot of people who live that out. I've met a whole lot of people who just say, you know what? I am what I am. I'm not too bad. I'm not great. I just am what I am. It's not going to change. I've made promises before. I've tried. I came forward and I talked to the preacher and I had him pray with me. And I said, I'm really going to stop doing this. So I'm going to start doing that. And I failed. And I failed the second time I did it. And the third time I did it. And so I'm done. I'm done making promises. Now you can make that choice. And I said a lot of people have. But what is the old saying? How does it go? When you aim for nothing, you'll hit it every time. When you aim for, I'm never going to try. I'm never going to make the commitment. I'm never going to promise. I'm never going to try to do better or go deep with the Lord. I'm never even going to make the promise. Guess what? You aren't ever going to do those things. If you're never going to make the commitment, if you're going to say, I'm done making promises, well, you can forget any of those things that you hope to have happen in your life. If you want to be in better shape or get your finances in order or if you want a better home life or better work life, I'm talking about the personal things, and you failed a hundred times over, and you say, well, I'm done. Okay, be done. But no, those things will never change to what you want them to be. Now, if some of you, that's okay. You say, that's just life. But apply those same principles to how you deal with God. You say, God, I make a promise to you today. I commit to you today to do this, to do that. And you failed one time, two times, a dozen times, a hundred times. You can say, I'm done promising to God. It's going to get you nowhere if that's the choice you make. Choice number two. I'm going to tell you this is not the one to make. Choice number two. Make a bunch of promises that make you look good, but you really don't have any intent on following through with. That is exactly who Jesus has been talking about in these passages. That's who he called a whitewashed tomb. It's the person who says, hey, on outwardly, I'm great. 
Inwardly, I'm not doing so good, but I'm not going to tell anybody about that. Outwardly, I will look the part of just an awesome Christian, and I will, I'll come and I'll say I'm going to do this thing, and I'll commit to that program and all those things, but there's nothing happening in the heart. And as soon as the crowd switches to doing something else, as soon as that thing over there is the popular thing, I'll go do that. That is truly the promise without performance. And that is the picture of someone who withers away in life because all they have is on the outside. Don't make that choice. What choice are we left with? You said, I've tried to make promises. I've tried to make commitments, but I failed. I've fallen short. I'm telling you, don't choose of, I'm just going to stop promises. Don't choose, I'm going to promise, but I don't really mean it. What's choice three? I'm going to get up and I'm going to try it again. I'm going to get up and I say, God, I know I failed. God, I know I, I came short of what I was supposed to do. I know I didn't live up to the commitment and I'm sorry for that. And I'm going to come and commit myself again. God, I'm going to promise again my heart to serve for you this day the things you're calling me to do. And guess what you need to do tomorrow? Tomorrow when you wake up, you got to start afresh. you got to say, God, yesterday I promised this to you, and I succeeded in some ways, and I may have failed in others, but today I promised it again. Christ says, take up your cross daily for Him. It's the daily decision you're going to make of, I am going to do this for you, God. Are you going to be perfect? No. I mean, if anybody was going to be perfect, it was going to be me, and I haven't got there yet, okay? So if I'm not going to be perfect, I know you're not. Thank you for at least two people laughing at that, because I'm nowhere near perfect. Now, but what I'm supposed to do, I want to wake up every day, and before I do anything, I want to say, God, here's the promise I make to you about my day, today, this day. And if I fail... He meets me there with His grace. Because I want you to see this. Well, this last thing before we turn our attention to the table this morning. That day on Palm Sunday, right? The people are rejoicing. Jesus is weeping. Why? Because He sees a whole crowd full of people that are all promised no performance. And He tries over the next several days, He tries to say it again and again. You can't just say the words but not mean a thing in your heart. He's telling them and telling them again. He knows they're going to fail. He he knows even the closest disciples are going to deny Him. He knows all these things. But yet does He turn around and ride off and say, I'm done with you guys. I know that you've promised and I know you're not going to fulfill it. So I'm done. He didn't do that at all, did He? knowing the people's failure, knowing your failure, my failure, that He still went to the cross. He still took on our sin, even though He knew we would promise all sorts of things and fall short many times over. He meets us with His grace and mercy and forgiveness. So today, maybe you have stopped making promises to God because you have just said, I've failed Messed up too many times. I'm done. Well, you better get happy with the way your life is right now. Maybe you're in the attitude of saying, 
I look good on the outside. Nobody would guess it of me, but inwardly, it is dark and dead. It, it's withered. Because all I do is an act. There's nothing really happening in the heart. If that's any of you this morning, I'll remind you, especially before we come to the table, what an awesome opportunity you have to come to God and say, God, to you I make this commitment. To you I promise. I don't care if it's the first time or the millionth time. If God is speaking to you, make the commitment. He forgives and forgets all those past failures. Some of you can't forget the things you've done. He says, I'm done. It's washed. It's clean. It's gone and behind us. Let's move on to today. But some of us are refusing to make new promises just because of what happened yesterday. Today is a day. If you're going to rejoice and hosanna and blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, if you're going to come to the table and take of these symbols that represent Christ's body and his blood broken and shed for us, to be ready to come and commit. I don't care how many times it's been. Commit. And tomorrow when you wake up, don't think that you just got it all made for the day. Commit again. Even if you fail today, commit again. Get back up. This book is filled with awesome men and women who are so far from perfect, it's not even funny, but there are men and women, so many of these great examples of faith, who just got back up a hundred times over again and again. So I messed up, but I'm coming right back at you, God. They didn't stop trying. So you may have been living a life of promise without performance, but the last thing I want you to do is to stop making promises to God. I want you to bow with me this morning. Let's go before the Lord. In this moment, we're going to take an opportunity to go before the Lord. We're going to have an invitation time before we come to the table. In a moment, we're going to have a song. We're going we're to kind of rejoice and sing together. And when we do so, you can come forward. Right now, I want you just, where you are, focused on you and God. You might just close your eyes and just begin even to talk to God right now. God, what would you have me do? Such a simple question, but one you need to ask. God, what would you have me do? How can I commit to you? What promises do I need to make to you this day? Because, as I've already said, we worry are called to examine ourselves before we come to this table. We're called to look inwardly of how we're living before we come and take of these elements. We're called, we better not take it in an unworthy manner. I'd rather you let these elements pass you by today if you're not willing to have, get right with God and deal with the things He's talking to you about. If you're a whitewashed tomb, if it's all on the outside and nothing on the inside, don't think that these, little, these things, these elements, are going to somehow magically fix you or make God more pleased with you. And in fact, that's being disobedient to God. So before we do this awesome thing, solemn thing, of taking the elements of the Lord's Supper, would you examine yourself? Would you ask God to look inwardly at your heart and show you, to reveal to you what's really going on? And would you be willing to once again even if it's been times and times over, would you pray and commit and promise to God what He's asking you to do? If you need to come forward during this time, I'm going to be here. Be ready to receive you, ready to pray with you.
whatever God would call you to do. I'm going to pray for all of us, and then you're going to have a night. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for this morning. The opportunity that's before us right now, right at this moment. God, sometimes we get overwhelmed by our past failures. Sometimes we just, we just get so broken and just so just depressed, God, when we think of how many times we've broken the promise and commitments we've made to you. Maybe some of us here have just come time and time again crying to you and saying, God, I won't do that anymore. I'll start doing this. And we know the things you've called us to do. And we, we committed, we promised, and we failed. There's not a one of us here this morning who doesn't have that testimony at some point in our life. I thank you so much that there is, there is no point before the moment of death, when our eyes close for the final time, there's nothing before that moment where you'll say, I'm done with you. We won't hear those words, God. You're never going to say to us, I'm refusing to forgive you, or I won't receive you, or you've messed up too many times. God, you have promised in your word you won't treat us in that way. It's your grace and your forgiveness is bigger and beyond all the mess-ups and all the failures and all the broken promises that we may have. So God, thank you for being willing to receive us again today. God, I first I want to pray for the person, for the believer this morning who's here, who has stopped making promises. Who has just said, I'm just going to live life where I am now. I know there's some things I should change. I know there's things I should do better. I know there's the ways I could honor you, God, better in my life, but I'm done. I have failed. I've tried. I've messed up, so I'm done trying. I'm just going to Say, I am what I am. I pray for that person this morning that they refuse to accept that kind of attitude. God, you've never called us to live in that place where we just said, I'm done. God, call them this morning to get back up, dust themselves off and say, all right, God, we're going after this one again. To take up their cross today and then again tomorrow and the day after that. Making the commitments and the promises that you, they're called to do even despite of failures. I pray for the person this morning who is desperate and broken and hurting. Who doesn't know if, doesn't know if you're willing to receive him or her. Doesn't know if your grace will really be there. God, I pray that heart, that broken heart just comes to you in confession of sin, honest and open admission of who they are, and just say, God, heal me, change me, restore me. God, I pray that person does it and they receive that blessing this morning. God, I pray that hearts are made right before you, that while examining our, just our lives before, before we would come to this table, let us not take in this unworthy manner. God, we thank you for these mighty things and this awesome opportunity and privilege we have in this moment to respond unto your great name. And it's by our wonderful, precious, awesome, sacrificing Savior that we pray. Amen.